0: you got Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about hope today. We're going to talk about fighting for hope today. You need to learn how to do this. In the day we're living in right now, you've got to learn how to fight for hope. We're going to just do a half a verse today. Half a verse. Don't worry. I'll take just as much time. Half a verse. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It all starts with hope. Everything starts with hope, and you got to fight for it. Let me define hope. You don't know what hope is. Let me define it for you. Here's the, definite, the official definition of hope. I just wrote it a little while ago. Here's the official definition of hope. Something good is going to happen for me and my family. That's hope. When that comes out of the heart, that's hope. Tell me where everything starts according to the Bible. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You, you can't have anything till you start to your hope first. Everything starts with hope. Listen, our Heavenly Father built this universe, and the economy of this universe is that every good thing starts with the seed of hope. It always begins in hope. Everything. Now, let me let me tell you how important this is. Without hope, you'll never have a prayer answered. Can your prayers be answered apart from faith? Nope. You can't even have faith if you have hope, because faith is the substance of things. It starts with hope, it moves to faith, it gets answered. You'll never see a miracle without hope. You'll never even try to have anything better in life that doesn't start with hope. Everything starts with hope. Nobody ever started a business till they laid in bed late at night and hoped and dreamed of something good happening. Everything starts in hope. And when you lose hope, you lose everything. Most important thing on the planet that there is. It's the one thing a person can't live without. It's not original with me, but it's been said before, I agree with it. You can live 40 days without food, without, without food. You can go seven, eight days without water. You can live eight minutes without air. Nobody lives without hope. Take away everything I got. Give me God's hope. I'll come back. Take away my hope. It's over. And this is what's going on in the land right now today. A couple of weeks ago, we filmed our Veterans Night special, which will be shown this Saturday night. Couldn't bring them together this year because of that, that pathetic 19 thing. So we had to film it, and uh, Colonel Norm McDowell was the speaker. I love Colonel McDowell. He was one of my heroes. He was shot down over north Vietnam. He spent almost seven years in a hellhole called the Hanoi Hilton. He was a prisoner of war, tortured, abused, and he was in that place. He was the, one of the senior commanding officers in there. And we were sitting back there in the green room, and I was talking to him. I love him dearly. I said, i got to ask you something, Colonel. Seven years, summer into fall, into winter, over and over in that hellhole, hole where his de- their daily diet was two handfuls of dirty rice a day. Twice a day, they got a handful of dirty rice. Dirty rice, I don't mean rice with spices. I mean dirty rice. Graveling. He, he broke a tooth eating gravel in that dirty rice. Once a week, they got a fish head. That's what they lived on for seven years. One day out of the week, they got to be unlocked to go out to a water hole in the ground, and that's where they bathed once a week. He lived like that for seven years. I said, Colonel, how did you keep hope? Because I I know. How did you keep hope going year after year? Will I ever see my children? His family didn't know he was alive. And he told me, he said, I knew as the senior officer, he said, I knew the most important thing I had to do in there was keep these men's hope up. Because I knew if these men lost hope, the torture would kill them. But if I could keep them in hope, I knew one day my nation would come get me out of this place. And he kept believing. He said, the first thing I did was develop a code where we could tap on the walls at night to each other and I could talk to them. Because if you spoke, you got beat. And he said, I'd tap on the walls to communicate with them. And when they would let us out and we couldn't be around each other, I told them 10,000 times, we're going to be home by Christmas. Our nation will come get us. We'll be home by Christmas. I said, Colonel... What did you do when Christmas came and went? He said, I told him, we'll be home by next Christmas. He said, I could not let their hope die. And he said, the ones that I was able to keep clinging to hope, they made it through and we're all back. And you can't live without hope. It is the, it is the starting point of everything we hang on to. You're just not going to make it without it. I'm going to marry a young couple this afternoon, one of my sweetest little couples. I love them dearly. Now, they're getting married because they love one another, but they're getting married in hope. By, by the way, you didn't know this. That's why you get married. You get married hoping to have a great life together. Hoping to have a family. Hoping to see good times. That's why you do everything. Nobody starts a business without hope. Mama, let's put our money together and go broke and die. Come on. <laughs> Nobody, You never do anything apart from hope. He's built the economy of life. So the hope is the foundation of everything. Here's the bottom line. Lose hope, lose life. What's happening in this land right now? All right, I want to talk to you about the two gods on this planet. There's two gods on this planet. This book plainly teaches it. Somebody sent me a dirty letter one time because I called Satan God. Jesus called him God. Jesus called him the God of this world, little g. First John chapter five, verse nine. This whole world lies under the sway of the God of this world. There are two gods on this planet. There are two forces working against each other on this planet. And every human being is caught in a crossfire. There are two spiritual forces working on this planet. One is benevolent and one is malevolent. In, case, in other words, one is good and one is nasty in case you had not figured it out. And these two powers are working in the earth. And I want to teach you one thing about each one of them. And I don't want you to ever forget what I'm fixing to teach you. I'm going to take the ugly one first. The one with the horny head first. Let me teach you what I've learned from this book and personal experience about the enemy of my soul. Satan always attacks your hope first. He's always after your hope first. And I'm going to tell you why. Let me quote it again. I love to quote this verse. I'm going to keep quoting it until we get it. The thief comes to steal. Stop right there. Forget the rest of it. The thief comes to steal. Steal what? If he can steal your hope. Let me tell you what he knows. He knows this book. He knows that faith is the substance of things hoped for. He knows he cannot stop a man, a woman, a marriage, a home, a church that can hold on to God's hope. So he goes after the hope. And he comes to steal hope out of the human heart. That, that's where he always shoots first. That's just his thing. I want, I want you to see, I want you to learn something about your heart, see if you agree with this. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13 is the truth about the human heart. Proverbs is the great book about the wisdom of life. It's 2,000 some years old. Matter of fact, it's about 27 or 800 years old. You say, man, times have changed. Technology's changed. Life has never changed. The same thing that built a great marriage 2,800 years ago is the same thing that builds it today. And Proverbs is the book about wisdom. I want you to see what the Bible said about your heart. Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many of you agree? Deferred means doesn't come. Lose hope. What happens to the human heart when hope is lost? You ever met anybody like this? The heart just dies. You take hope out of somebody, their heart goes sick. I see people all the time, they're, they're just... There's an emptiness. There's a this. It's gone. They've given up. You know what happened? What they were hoping for didn't come, and now their heart's sick, because hope deferred destroys the human heart. So it's happening in this land. However, let's read the rest of it. When the desire comes, what you're hoping for shows up. It's a tree of life. You come alive. When people get what they're hoping for, they have life. We were designed to ebb and flow in hope. And uh, the enemy in my soul, he knows that verse. So guess what, he's going to have, guess what he wants to do with, him, with his ugly, horny head self? If I can defer hope, I can kill their hearts. I can ruin their lives. So he's going to steal hope is what the Bible teaches. Look me. I don't know if you knew this or not. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, it's talking about the enemy of our souls. And it says this. He's not going to get us because we are not ignorant of his schemes. We're not ignorant of how he operates. Dear ones, why are we ignorant of how he operates? Let me tell you how he, I'm going to tell you two things about how he operates. Number one, he's coming after you hope. And number two, I learned this from Luke chapter four when he attacked Jesus. He's coming during an opportune time. When everything's going great, hunky-dory, everybody's cheering for you. You feeling good. You on top of the world. You've been praising God. He says, stand back. This is not an opportune time. Don't, talk, don't go near him now. Leave their head alone right now. But when people lie about you and folks turn against you and you get discouraged and you're tired and you're sick and bad news comes to you, he said, this is a great time. Go in there and steal their hope. Get in their head. Have somebody talk hopelessness to them. He's watching all the time, waiting for an opportune time to come in there and jerk it out. He's a thief. All right, now you know about him. Hang on to that. Uh, Let me just point this out to you. Has anybody here ever read the great passage in Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare? Ephesians 6 says this, take up all the armor of God, for we wrestle not with flesh and blood, yada, yada. It's just a whole long passage. You know what the whole thing just says? You're in a fight for hope. You're in a fight for hope with within of your soul. Now, let me shift gears. There's another God in this planet. A lot of people think there's a tug of war between them two gods. They is not. That God in the red outfit, he's scared spitless of the guy sitting on the throne forevermore. The last thing he wants to do is be in his presence. He ain't messing with him. He's after me. The tug of war is right here. The tug of war is right here. It ain't up there. The big guy has already crushed him under his feet. However, let me tell you something about the God of glory. There's something you need to learn about him. The God of heaven is the source of all hope in the universe. Hope flows out of him. You you can't get near him and not just... Hope just fill your heart. I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 13. Go to 15. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. you you got to learn this because I'm going to teach you how to smell two spirits. Romans chapter 15. In Romans 15, this is one of the... Memorize this verse, dear ones. Memorize this verse. Pull it out of your thinking when you need it. Lean on this. Chew on this thing. Get it down in your heart. This is one of the verses that teaches you one of the greatest places where you learn about the God you serve. This will identify him. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of what? Where's all hope come from? Tell me what he is. He is pure hope. Got it? He is the God of hope. Tell me what he wants to do to you. According to that verse, what does he do in your life? Fill you with joy and peace in believing so that you can glow in the dark. That's what it means, abound in hope. What is abound in hope? Does abound in hope mean have just barely enough to get by? Or does abound in hope mean vibrate? Yeah. I, do you know what, I, you ever seen a person just abounds in hope? I mean, they just, that's abounding in hope. What does he want to do to you? Tell me what God does to people. He fills them with hope. He's the source of all hope. You can't get around him and not come away just going, "Whoa, yeah! That's him. Let me make an announcement to church folks and church people. He is not the God of depression. I don't care what they say at the church. That's that other guy, wrong God. He's the God of hope. He, he just, everything he does, you were created in hope. First thing he ever said to humanity, he built this beautiful earth, put a man and woman in it, said, be fruitful, show me what you can do. He didn't put us in here to suck eggs, eat cheeseburgers, burp and die. You're supposed to go, let's do it. He's a God of hope. I mean, why do you think the man says, won't you say stuff like, I can do? Does that sound like a hopeless God to you? I'm telling you, he's the God of hope. And everything flows out of him. It, he, when he speaks, there's hope. You ever, heard, you ever met anybody that speaks hope? You everybody met anybody speaks despair? All right, speaks hope. If you ever hear his voice, hope has to come up in your heart. I mean, guys who say things like this, every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given unto you, be strong. That's hope. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. I'll give my angels charge over you. They'll guard you in all your guy who talks like that just gives hope. What did Jesus constantly say when he walked on the earth? Do not be afraid. You just keep believing. He just speaks hope. That's why it is so important to hear his voice. We need to hope. We need to be speakers of, speakers of hope. All right, I'm in the Hobby Lobby. That's a woman's store, but I was in there. So they, got, they got one little owl for men. Got that old fishing memorabilia bay, you messing there. So I'm in the Hobby Lobby. And I saw one of my girls in there, one of my teenagers at my church. She's about 15, 16 years old. I said, sunshine. And she came over and I got to I said, how's it going? Within just a moment, she was crying. And she was telling me how her family's falling apart. The schooling's not going well. Relationships messing up. And she's in what we would call despair or discouragement. By the way, discouragement is the twin sister to hopelessness. She's hopeless. She's discouraged. And I let her go for a little bit and I said, let me tell you something. And I began to talk. And I began to talk about the goodness of God and his plans for her life. And I don't care what you've been through. And I'm going to pray. We're going to pray right here in the fishing lure section right here. And I began to talk to her. And by in about four minutes, I had her out of hopelessness, believing and hoping again. You know what that's called? That's called speaking hope. I will hear what the Lord will speak for he will speak hope to me. The Bible said you got to hear him because he can't talk without hope coming out. He don't beat people up. He lifts people up. He's the God of hope. And, and you just, oh, I can't spend a lot of time here, but I'm going to tell you something. You need to hear what he's got to say. I'm going to teach you how to identify. You see, if there's two gods in the earth, I can't see them. How do I know who's near you fixing to learn for the rest of your life? Aren't you glad you came today? You can tell by the smell. You've heard me tell you that we live in Skunkville down there. Last night late, we're coming back from Charlotte. We got less than a mile from the house and it hit us like a buzzard gut in the face. Bam. It it was fresh kill. I mean, it was God. (laughs) My wife said, did you do that? I said, (laughs) I said, I'm not capable, but I wish I was. (laughs) I'm sorry I lost you I mean it was just bam and I look I didn't see it but guess what I don't have to see it I can tell by the smell you listen to me you listen to me when you smell hopelessness in your heart and you smell heaviness and you spell this ain't going to work and you spell I've tried and tried and you smell discouragement coming up inside of you I've never seen him, but when you smell that, he is in the house, the ugly one. When something inside of you goes, praise God, we're going to make it. He is going to do something for me. We're going to overcome this. God is in the house. You've got to learn by what's happening in your heart as to who's in the house. The God of hope builds hope. The other one destroys hope. That's how you identify them. All righty, got it? Now, therefore, last of all, therefore, therefore, uh, let me help you. I'm going to give you some keys. There was this you have to fight for hope. It ain't going to fall on you like a ripe cherry. You have to start fighting for it. It's an everyday fight. I'm going to give you some keys on fighting for hope. Here we go. Therefore, uh, fighting for hope first. Number one, you have to choose hope, you do not have to die. I mean, you don't have to lay down and just fall over. You can get up. But you've got to decide before you do anything, you've got to decide you want to. One of my favorite verses, I love this verse, Psalm 71:14. I will hope more and more and will praise him continually. The moment your eyes wake up in the morning, you've got to make a decision. This day's terrible. i got this stupid meeting. I don't feel good. I don't have what other people had. Go back to sleep wake up again. My friend, Dr. Joe Brown, he came down one morning. His wife was fixing breakfast for the kids. He said something crabby. She said, turn around, go get back in that bed, get back out and let's try this again. <laughs> I love women like that. From the moment I'm open my eyes in the morning, there's a fight for hope. And I make up my mind. This is the day the Lord has made I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I am called of God. I've got his word over my life. I'm going to believe him and I'm going to see the goodness of God on this day in the land of the living. You got to choose to hope. Don't lay down. You say, I've been waiting on a feeling. Quit waiting on a holy gooch. You got a holy Bible. God, that was good. Quit waiting on a holy gooch. When you hear these crazy. People say, I got a Gooch and it went all over. But I don't need a Gooch. I got a promise. Amen. God, this is good. Yes. Thou, man doesn't live by holy gooches, <laughs> but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Yes. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to live in hope. I know, we're not going to do like this. My friend, Larry Lee started the great church on the rock. Started out good, but, you know, sometimes you start things out and they look pretty good, and then all of a sudden you run into road bumps. Marriage, child rearing, child rearing. And he was doing so good, and he said, it was just all of a sudden it was getting rough, and we had a terrible Sunday. A fight broke out in church. Church, not the place to fight. (laughs) I went home, I was so discouraged, said, ate dinner. I went there, just plopped down in my chair, and I was feeling sorry for me god needs to be better to me he said my wife when she said what are you doing he said i'm sitting here she said no you're not she said get up out of that chair she said you get on your knees right there beside that couch i'm getting down there beside you we're not gonna sit here and feel sorry for ourselves we're gonna pray till god speaks we're not gonna live like this golly so i don't have a woman like that talk to yourself like that you gotta make up your mind i'm gonna live in hope number two Refuse to surrender your hope to the enemy of your souls. God gave you hope. Don't let him steal it. Well, I wouldn't. (laughs) If the enemy, if some, I'm trying not to offend nobody today. Probably ain't going to make it. (laughs) If some crook slipped into my house and tried to steal my guitar, I wouldn't stand there and watch him and say, need help? You need some help? need some help? (laughs) All seven of us, me, Smith, and Wesson would stand there. We'd at least try to stop him. Why are you let? listen, my uncle gave me that guitar straight from Japan. He ain't carrying it off from me. God gave me hope to live by. Ain't nobody hauling it off. You, you say, you, you just sound like a redneck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why do you think the Bible says things like fight the good fight of faith? You don't fight the Methodist. <laughs> you got to fight for what God gave you because somebody's trying to steal it from you. My goodness. Number three, here's where we start to offend folks. <laughs> if you're going to make it through this planet, especially today, you're going to have to learn to ignore the hope suckers. You know what a hope sucker is? There is hope suckers in the house today. I don't mean this house. I wouldn't lie out here. There's <laughs> hope suckers in the land. If I woke up one more, looked over them, and said, you all know what a leech is. Leeches suck the blood out of you. If I woke up one morning looking for a leech on arm, I'd say, well, it's probably the will of God. Just leave him there. <laughs> you know, everybody's got leeches. We all got our leeches. I got my leeches. You show me your leech, I'll show you my leech. <laughs> That's stupid. I would jerk that sucker off. I'd smash him and throw him in the trash. You say, duh. <laughs> so why do you let these hope suckers hang on to you? On. Why do you let this happen to you? Dear ones, uh, I, hang on a minute, i got to see. we got time. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. <laughs> Nehemiah is the book where you learn to dispatch the hope suckers. I don't know if you knew that or not, but you're going to need this. Nehemiah chapter 4. I don't know if you know what the book of Nehemiah is. One of the greatest books in world history. Let me tell you what the book of Nehemiah is. It is God's book to you if you want to build something. Every person that ever wanted to build a family a church, a business, a ministry, anything. Nehemiah is the book that teaches you how to build. It's the book about building in the Bible. This man had a government job. He had it good. God spoke to him and said, give up your government job. Go back to your hometown it has been destroyed and rebuild that hometown. And the book of Nehemiah is how it was the difficulties and obstacles he had to overcome to rebuild that broken town. Listen to me. Anybody can start something. It's those that can overcome the obstacles that will finish. Anybody can stand there and say, I do. It's those who can keep doing when the going gets tough. Who at 60 years old, toothless and bald in the nursing home can say, I do it all over with you, baby. <laughs> Nobody ever made it 50 or 60 years without having to overcome something. And the book of Nehemiah is the book of overcoming obstacles. And let me tell you what, it's not just his story. You know what, I, when I first read this book, I said, man because God wrote it I don't know why I said man I read it and I thought these are the very same things all of us have to overcome in everything we do everything you deal with in is in this book that's why I encourage folks that are building read it read it all right this man's building they have a problem there's an enemy that doesn't like them building it and it's a battle listen to me you say why did this guy have such a battle to get these folks help everything you do in life worth doing is a battle goodness. Try being married to me. Nehemiah chapter four. They're being attacked. It's difficult. Read verse nine with Nehemiah four nine. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God because of our enemies. We set a watch against them. So they're being attacked and, and they're going through a tough time. Let me, let me, now let's look, look up here. When you're going through a tough time, you need those on your side to cheer for you. Can I get a witness? What if they don't? Read verse 10 with me. Then Judah pause right there. Who's Judah? Is Judah God's enemy or is Judah God's people? Judah's God's, Judah was supposed to be His worship leader. Judah's His best friend. Look what His best friend says to Him, verse ten. Judah said, "The strength of the laborers is failing. There's so much rebel. we are not able to build the wall. How'd you like stand beside somebody like that in a battle? You know what He said? We're all getting worn. I'm so tired. There's too many problems." We just can't do this. That's just what I need beside me when I'm trying to accomplish something. You see, I thought the devil talked to people like that. The devil will speak through the person who's supposed to be helping you the most. The very people on your team will try to suck the life out of you. Don't, and and verse, we're not gonna read verse 11. says, he popped him in the mouth, said, I don't want to hear, (laughs) excuse me. I'm sorry, loose translation. Verse 12. So it was when the Jews, who are the Jews, was that his enemies or was that his people? That's his people. When the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon you. One time's enough for me. Three times it wore me out. On the eighth time, I'm going to slap you naked if you keep saying this to me. <laughs> My friends came to me and said, no matter, do, no matter what you do, it'll fail. No matter what you do, it'll fail. No matter what you do, it'll fail. No matter what." 10 times they told me that. What's the Bible? Why is this in the Bible? You're going to hear the voice of, of hope sucking all your life. It might come from those who are supposed to be helping you. Let me show you the cure. Read with me in verse 14. Look at this. I, I love to quote this verse to people. Verse 14. Uh, somebody find it. Bring it up here. Verse 14. I looked and arose and I said, you see the words I said, there comes a time to quit listening to what other people say and start saying what God says. Yes, that's good right there too to the nobles, the leaders, the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. What do you say? Quit listening to that junk and you start thinking about your family. Fight for your kids. Fight for your family. Remember the Lord your God. Yes, we got problems. Yes, we got obstacles, but the Lord our God will carry us through. This is one of the greatest books, Nehemiah, when you're going through a difficult time, I mean, this, this book will redneck you up for the fight. I'm a little on this thing today, but I just, I just believe we're living in a day right now where we, we need to say, I am tired of hearing that. If any man speak, let it be as it were the word of God. That's in there too. It's okay. <clears throat> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get gentle again. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to redneck out on you. One last thing. Here we go. You have to do this. You need to run to the house of hope every day. you got to go every day. Let me make an announcement. There's hope suckers in the land, but let me tell you what else is in this land. Let me tell you what's in the earth. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. There is a Holy Spirit in this earth who will light you up. There is a Holy Spirit of God who can crush despair and he's greater than all the voices in the world. There is a place you can go to and get your cup filled up. Amen. And you need to run there and get it done on a regular basis. Alright, here, well let me read a little further I'm going to show you the picture of it. Alright, you've got to run to this place of hope. You, you, hope is the fuel you run on. You don't run on knowledge. I know people that know a lot that are sucking eggs hope is the fuel you run on are you with me let me let me when I drove a truck went, a little period I drove a day cab in other words we didn't, didn't have them big tanks on it we just had one little single 75 gallon tank on it and I'd drive you know three four hundred miles a day use all that up so in the mornings I'd get my truck right beside the flying J. would put first thing I'd do first thing I'd do if you don't do this you're in trouble I'd pull in the flying J and I'd fill up every morning had to fill up every morning I had to start my day full because if I didn't fill up every morning had a great truck, powerful engine. I don't care what you got. You don't have hope. About halfway through the day, you're going to be sitting on the side road calling somebody to come pray for you. I mean, tow you. <laughs> I had to fill up there was. I don't care what, there was, you have got to have the hope of God. Amen. It is a daily portion. Last year's portion won't work today. That's right. and, and that's why we have got, I'm going to show you how to do this. Uh, let me paint you a picture first. Anybody here old enough remember Popeye? You gotta be old to remember Popeye. Popeye was a sailor man, and uh, he was in love with the ugliest woman in cartoons. Her name was Oyl. Have you ever seen that? This little knot need thing or leg's about as big as that stand right there. And for some reason he loved her, and him and Brutus, Brutus was his enemy. This is a prophetic cartoon. Brutus is the devil. Popeye's me. I ain't sure who that skinny legged woman is, but I don't want her. But, but there, there was a constant fight over this woman named Olive Oil. Who wants to marry a woman named Oil? But they was in a fight all the time and Brutus could wear his head out. It wasn't even close. Here's the prophetic word. Listen to me. You ever heard this verse? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Before you celebrate that, let me teach you something. You better learn this. Greater is he who's in this world than you by yourself. Don't you try to take him on without getting filled every day? And Brutus would be putting knots on Popeye's head. He'd be beating him to death. You remember this? But Popeye had something. He'd reach in there and he'd whoop out that can of. See, this is back when cartoons served a purpose. <laughs> Trying to teach kids how to eat good. And he'd pop that thing. Did it? Did it? Did it? He'd suck it down that pipe, and them little bumps would come up on his arms. He'd wear Brutus's head out with the power that came out of that can. Can you not see the prophetic in that? <laughs> what a picture. There's an enemy who wants to kill me, destroy me, destroy my family, destroy my church, and destroy this nation. He's stronger than I am. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. But I'm telling you, I have found a secret source. I have found a place. I've found the spout where the glory comes out. And I can go to Jesus and, and he can touch my heart and fill me with his hope and power. And it is on like Donkey Kong. That's, that's in Revelation. <laughs> I will hear what the Lord will speak for he will strengthen me. And you have got to learn how to do this. Now I'm going to tell you the great mystery of how the, does anybody know what this book's for right here? You ever wondered? I thought when I was a young man, this book was written to ruin my life. I did. Because everything I wanted to do, it said, no. <laughs> thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. All i ever heard was thou shalt not. Everything I wanted was a not. That's not why this book was written. Let's look at it. One more verse, and then I'll let you out in about an hour. Romans chapter 15. Turn me to Romans 15. Perhaps you've never seen this before. When I say to you, why is the Bible written? You should say one word. You'd say, let me tell you why this Bible is written. Well, just look and see what he says. Romans 15 is the verse in the Bible where it tells us why the Bible was written. And this is what it should do for you. Romans 15, verse 4 says this. Whatever things were written, talking about the Bible being written, before were written for our learning, that we through the encouragement and comfort of scriptures might have hope. Why is that book written? What's the effect that book should have on your life? When you walk away from that book, you should be full of hope. Your heart should be filled with hope. Can you not see that it was written so that through the encouragement and comfort of scriptures, you can walk out of that room with hope? That's why the Bible's written. Listen, if you ever listen to a preacher preach and he beats you up, makes you feel like crap, come to this church. Yes, I need to be corrected once in a while, but my God don't beat me up and leave me in a bloody mess. He picks me up and he puts hope in my heart. Even, even if I mess up when he's done, I will say, we're going to make it. The Bible was written to give people hope. Right, I'm going to teach you the great mystery. And this is a purity mystery. I hope you get it. Right, you take this book or a promised book or the words of God. And you meditate on them. And the Holy Spirit of God touches with this word. And something happens in your heart. That's, that's the mystery of the word of God. It goes down in your heart. And he turns this word into hope in your heart. You, you can just be. I I battle this all the time. I cannot live my life without hope. See, carpenters, there's the wood, there's the nails, put it together. Not in my line of work. You've got to have hope to do what I do. You need hope to do what you do. And this word, the Holy Spirit touches this word in my heart. And I cannot tell you how many times when the enemy of my soul will be bearing down on my head and I'll just say, let me get along with my father right here. And I'll open this book and I'll say, talk to me. And all I can, it, I can just feel it. Something goes, <laughs> Nothing changes out here where I can see, but something inside of me goes, we're going to whoop his butt. I probably shouldn't say it on TV, but that's exactly how it comes out. I just go, we're going to make it. You know what happens? The word of God meets the spirit of God and explodes in my heart and hope. That's the mystery of the word. That's how it works. I'm going to paint you a picture and I'm done. All right. I don't know if you ever read this or not. Uh, if you're a Baptist, you didn't, because it won't be in your Bible. If you're Baptist. But in John chapter two is the first miracle Jesus ever worked, where he turned water into we w- w- have I'm Baptist. We even have trouble saying it. W- w- wine. <laughs> Jesus turned water into wine in John chapter two. It's the first miracle he ever worked. With my hand in the air, I heard a Baptist preacher say, "Well, that has always embarrassed me. Take it up with him." All right. You, do you remember that when he did that turned water into wine? What's that all about? Do you, really, is that, you think that's for folks who can't afford their own wine? Come on, guys. Jesus is at a wedding, him and his boys. His mother comes and says, they ran out of wine. Somebody underestimated how much this crowd would drink. So they ran out of wine. And Jesus said, my time's not yet. And she said, one of, she gave the greatest piece of advice to him and to the boys of me and you. She said, whatever that man says, do it. One of the greatest things you'll ever hear, whatever he says, do it. And then she walks off and the boys are standing there. And Jesus says, see them pots right there? They had six pots, big vases like we have in the front of the other campus. They held 30 gallons apiece, six big pots, stone pots. They're religious purposes. They're empty. Jesus said, fill them pots up with water. What has us being out of wine got to do with water in them flower pots? You're missing the whole point. Just do what the man says. Do what the man says. I don't care if it makes sense or not. Do what the man says. So they say, eat a boss. They go get buckets of water. It took 180 gallons. It took a little bit. They finally get them full going, I don't know what this has got to do with. So they get them full and finally they say, okay, boss man, sir, we're done. Got the water full. And he's standing there and his glass is empty. You know why? Because they had run out of wine. Did you just imply, knock it off. (laughs) So he hands one of them his cup. He says, here, dip somebody out and take it to Chubb. Take it to the DJ. The guy running the show. And they go. So he goes over and he he dips. Am I telling the truth? My theologians. Y'all make sure I'm telling the truth. He dips it in and and he goes, we poured clear water in there that water's purple and he goes over to the dj and he says to him that, that strange preacher said for you to drink this he looks at it, he drinks it, he goes man why have we been drinking ripple when this was in the house <laughs> is that not what he said Every man at the first sets out the good wine, and when everybody's half sloshed, they bring out the cheap junk. You kept the good stuff till now. Is that not what it says? He's standing there and said, this is the best wine i ever had. This set the Bonier, Verrier, Bordeaux, whatever. It's a high dollar stuff right here. This ain't no Boone's Farm. And he's staring at it. He calls the groom over, and he says, what, what's the deal, doc? We've been sucking on rip on you. Had... Where'd this come from? And they didn't know. Servants knew. What's that all about? Do you, really, do you really think, well, praise God, if we ever run out of wine, we know who to call. That's really not the deal here. Come on, guys. Everything he says is a picture. Those empty, hard religious pots, that's me. I'm empty and cold. I have nothing to offer you apart from him. Fill that pot with water. Tell me what water always represents in the Bible. He will wash them with the water of his word. You put the word on the inside, son. You just put the word on the inside. And when you put the word on the inside, I will work a miracle in there. And I'll turn it into something that gives life. Wine gives life to a party. Can I get a witness? Since I've made everybody with a Baptist mad. Psalm 104 said, God created wine, which makes glad the heart of man. And I'm not talking about Boone's Farm or that area or nothing. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God. The whole wine is always a picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. That which gives life to people and brings hope to people and brings peace to people. You hide this word in your heart. He'll work a miracle and it'll become a living wine that gives life to you. That's why it's so important to get this word down in your heart and to meditate on it and chew on it. I do this all the time. Let me tell you something. I've memorized entire books of the Bible. I can walk you all the way through the Bible. I've read it through a hundred times. Guess why I still read on it? It's not knowing it, it's feeding on it. Over the visor of my truck, I have different stacks of cards I've written all over them. If you, always, if you see me riding down the road, I hadn't been drinking the wine, I'm reading the cards. And I'm always reading my cards. And I'm reading, well, that's good right there. Amen, that's good. And I'm always reading those cards. They're in my shirt pocket, everywhere you go. Thy word is my food and it turns it into life. You got to get it in your heart like that. All right, a friend said to me the other day, I'm about done. Friend said to me the other day, I just see people just people are losing heart today, cause we're losing the word today. He said, My, he said I just, I just, I know I'm not supposed to, but it just tears me up what them people are saying about me on social media. I said I can not help you. I can help you. He said, will you pray for me? No, no, I'm not going to pray for you. I said I can help you. I said at the top of your computer there's a switch. And in case you don't own a Bible, here's mine. How many of you know we need to get our faces out of the Facebook and get our faces in his book? That's one of the best things you'll ever hear right there. please. <laughs> Somebody's asked me, don't it bother you? Listen, I do get lit up on social media, I hear. I'll get lit up by the Baptist day. What do you guess? It has never bothered me. Guess why? I don't even know how to turn the sucker on. I don't know where it's at. I got better things to do with my life than say, suck the hope out of me, doc. I got better things to do than that. Can I get a witness? This ain't complicated. Come on, man. Garbage in, garbage out. Life in, life out. Now we're getting it. Now we're getting it. All right, I made this saying up all by myself. Hope, don't leave home without it. You better fight for hope. Your children need you to be a man or woman of hope. Your friends need somebody that's got hope. Your life rises and falls on whether you can hold on to hope. You fight for it every day of your life. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. Hope radiates from you. It just, it just flows from you. Father, that your word is so clear. Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. Despair, hopelessness, Fear but the glory of the Lord will be upon you and his glory will be seen on you and people will come to you when they see that on you. I praise you. The kingdom of darkness may blanket the earth, but the God of light is shining down on his people and you're putting hope in our hearts as we lock into you. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, sometimes I pray for you to comfort them. But today I pray for you to redneck them up. Raise them up. I am not going to surrender my home to him. Jesus is going to rule in his house. He's not filling my heart with his garbage. The word of God's going to be life in his heart. We will start over. I'll get those kids back. We're going to heal this thing. I'm going to make it. Raise our hearts up by your hope. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified forevermore, amen and amen.